It's good to be with you. Um, it really is a joy uh, to be here with you in the flesh, right? It's so good to be together. It feels good. How many, like, how many of you know it just feels good to be with other human beings, right? My goodness. Um, I realized as I was preparing for this kind of time together that you probably don't recognize me. Even though we've been here for like a year. This has been our home church for this past year. And I'll tell you why you don't recognize me. Uh, other than masks. Yeah. Other than masks. Um, it's because we normally sit in the very back. That's my crew back there. I've got three young kiddos. And uh, it's a miracle that they're actually still in this room. Um, because typically what happens is we come here, we sit in the back. So you can't see us. We're behind you. And then about 13 minutes into the service, we have to go. We have to leave. Okay? You probably will recognize us by the scream or the, uh, or the squeal of a young child. That's, that's us. Okay? That's the Phelan family. Uh, so we make our way back to the kids' room, and then we watch on the TV. So uh, that's uh, my family. Uh, three kiddos, David, Emmy, Lydia, and my wife, Lindsay, are back there. And then we actually have some friends with us today. So the Malonen family is here all the way from Poland, and they are mis full-time missionaries in Poland and have been for years. So they're in the back with us. Say hi to them. Yeah, they're just dear friends of ours, and so we're just thrilled that they're here with us all the way from Poland. So um, we're going to dive into the scriptures this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of Luke. We're going to look at the chapter, uh, chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 11, but we're going to continue um, a, really a series of talks that we've been in for a number of weeks, and we're looking at the, the miracle stories of Jesus. We're looking at these moments of transformation and healing and, and, uh, that, that we see in the scriptures where Jesus does something miraculous, and, that, and we're going to see that today in Luke chapter 17 in verse 11. Uh, this really has been, like Chris said, we were in a community group together. New Hope has been kind of like a special landing zone for us, my family, this past year. Uh, right before COVID, we moved back to Salem. We were living in Gresham. We were um, on staff at a church, a four-square church much like this one called East Hill up in Gresham. And I was a pastor there for six years. And uh, right, right as COVID kind of dropped, I mean, you guys know, everybody kind of went home. So we moved home in a lot of ways. Uh, I'm a West Salem graduate. My wife uh, graduated from Sprague and somehow we got married despite all of the animosity. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So the Salem is our, is our home. Our families are all here. And uh, so at the beginning of the pandemic, we moved home and New Hope has been uh, like a special uh, like home for us throughout this whole kind of crazy 18 months. Uh, we found community in, in, the, in community groups with the Bulbies and with others. And uh, so I just want to encourage you as a, just kind of a side plug. I don't work here. I don't get paid by this place, okay? <laughs> but as a side plug, honestly, if, you are, if you're not in like some kind of community, whether it's a triad or some kind of life group, get in a group, okay? I'm not pulling a paycheck here. I'm not getting paid. Like, get in a group, okay? Seriously, it is um, what saved us this last year. Uh, for me and my family. So I encourage you to do that. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you're at Luke 17. We're going to look at this story together. I want to do a couple of things. We're going to read this passage together. I'm going to give you, secondly, some historical background, some context, like some tools. I'm going to hand you some tools so that we can get at this story together. And then lastly, I want to talk about 
why this little story, it's only like seven verses long, has everything to say about some things that I struggle with every single day. And I imagine you probably do too. So we're gonna look at this passage, I'm gonna hand you some tools, and then I'm gonna talk about why this little story changes everything. So, if you have your Bibles, Luke 17, verse 11, it goes something like this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus. On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance. And they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us, or have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed, or they were healed. Now one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now Jesus asked him, were not all 10 healed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? When he said, uh, and then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Okay, this is a really interesting, really short, and really, really profound story. And there's all kinds of things happening under the surface that we'll get to. But I want to first start by saying there's like a Sunday school version of this sermon that I could give you today. Okay? And it would be really, uh, it would be really sweet, and it would be very, very to the point. It would be something like uh, to the effect of, hey, the Bible tells us to be thankful. Right? So be thankful. And that would be a really good sermon. And I'm not, actually, I'm not um, disparaging that topic or that, that angle of this story. How many of you know the scriptures call us to be thankful people? That's good. I mean, it, it's like we, we should talk about that. So there is a way that we could approach this that, uh, that, that goes through the angle of we should be thankful, we should be grateful to, to God for all that he's done in our lives. And he has. He's done amazing things in your life, in my life, in our communal life. Um, I could give you research. I could get up here and say, man, the scientific research, all these studies they're saying, I could qu quote Brene Brown or something like really trendy. I don't know. Like I could, I could tell you research that shows like being grateful, being thankful is actually good for your, your health. You're going to be a healthier person. I could show you scriptures that call us to be grateful and thankful for all God has done. There's nothing wrong with that sermon. But today I want to approach this kind of through a side door. Okay, I want to approach this through a side door. And as I do, the only way this is going to work is if as we approach this passage together is if you actually open your heart to what God, what his Holy Spirit might want to do in you. Even as I talk this morning, I believe I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a preacher, someone who opens the Bible and, and preaches. And there's something powerful that when we open God's word and we open our hearts, something begins to kind of transform within you even as we sit together. Yeah. And that's just how God works. That's how God's Holy Spirit works. And it's often very subtle. Like it's almost like the Spirit is moving at a subterranean soul level that he wants to begin to maneuver some things in your heart if you would allow him. So as we open the scriptures today, I invite you to open your heart to be transformed and tweaked by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. 
So I want to approach this a little bit different today. Because more than being thankful, I think this story has everything to do with how you and I find our worth, our significance, our value, and our identity. I think this story cuts to the heart of something that you and I grapple with every single day. Am I worthy? Do I have value? Am I enough? Right? Have I done enough to earn my place around here? These kind of very basic human identity kind of questions that I wrestle with all the time. And I think this story cuts to the heart of that. Where do I fit? Who am I? Am I enough? Have I done enough to earn my place in this family, job, culture, whatever system that you're thinking of? Maybe you've asked a question like this recently. Do I fit? Am I worthy? Maybe you found yourself um, rejected by family or friends that you thought had your back. Maybe at some point this year, you, you, you found yourself saying, man, I thought our friendship was a little deeper than my vaccination status, right? Okay, whoo, am I still allowed to say that? Okay, all right, whoo, hello. How, do you know what I'm talking about? At some point this year, you're like, wow, I thought that friendship was gonna go the long haul, but I guess not. Or maybe you found yourself um, uh, during this last year, maybe there was a job that you had that you thought would just be there for you, but it wasn't. And then you're left to figure out, who am I now that I don't have that in my life? Maybe it's a relationship or a marriage that went south this, uh, recently and you thought, oh, who, who am I now now that that isn't there? Maybe there's a son or a daughter that's run away and pushed you aside. Or there's a parent that you, that you needed to be there for you, but they weren't. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Those kind of deep human moments where you're trying to figure out, is my identity secure? These moments can leave us with deep wounds. I found my value there, but then that changed, so now who am I? Or maybe you're this way. Maybe you have found your significance in something, but it keeps shifting. Maybe you're, you're chasing after some career with all of its positions and, 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 and promotions and, and all of that. Maybe you're chasing after that to secure your identity. Maybe it's a boat. Maybe you just thought, man, if I buy this boat, you guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody seen that guy? Okay. Maybe it's something like material possessions that you thought, man, if I could just have that, then I would be secure, safe. My identity would be firm. Or some relationship that you're hanging on to. In, in youth ministry, we call it warm body syndrome. Have you guys heard of this before? The teenager that just clings on to that boyfriend or girlfriend, just grasping, white knuckling, hoping that it will make their life what they think it should be. And it just never works. Maybe it's a relationship. You and I, have all kinds of strategies to find our significance and worth. And oftentimes they fall short. So what does this have to do with a guy who gets healed 2,000 years ago, right? So let's look at this a little deeper. Let's go into some history and talk about what's happening in this story. Three things. I need to tell you about Jews and Samaritans. I need to tell you about leprosy. And then I need to tell you about the role of the priest, Okay, all three of these things we see happening in this scripture. So the first, I'm gonna tell you about Jews and Samaritans. In Jesus's day, Jews and Samaritans, there was a racial divide. 
There was a racial discord that went back thousands of years, even in Jesus' day. So if you go Jesus' day and you rewind a thousand years, Jews and Samaritans had a major falling out. So Israel, the, the, na- the, uh, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel settled in their land and they had a, um, a break of kingdoms. The, the kingdom of Israel split into two. And the southern kingdom followed after God, but the northern kingdom did not. And something happened up in the north a thousand years before Jesus that the people in that region started to intermarry with other pagan um, peoples in that, in that region. And what became was, was some kind of like mixed Jewish, non-Jewish people group that formed. And if you fast forward to the book of Nehemiah, sorry, some Bible nerd stuff happening here, okay? If you fast forward to the book of Nehemiah, this people group that, had, that was half Jew, half pagan, the Sumerians, in the book of Nehemiah, you see Nehemiah trying to rebuild Jerusalem, and he reaches out to the Sumerians and says, will you help us? Because they're half Jewish, right? They're on the same team, and they don't help at all. In fact, they get in the way. They try to sabotage the whole work of what Nehemiah was trying to do. So you can see that like, in Jesus' day, there was a thousand years of racial um, animosity between these two people groups, the, Sumerians, or the Samaritans sorry, and the Jewish people. It was not friendly, okay? In fact, even today, if you, I visited Israel when I was in middle school. I went on like a tour group with my dad. And if you go to Israel today and you, go to, and you get your passport stamped in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv or wherever you fly into, and then you try to go visit modern day Samaria, they will not let you in. Like even today, they'll see the passport stamp from, from Israel and go, nope, kick them out. Because there even today is still a deep hatred. So this is like, this isn't just like a Sunday school story with two people groups. This is real hatred going on here. So that is Jews and Samaritans. Leprosy. Let me tell you about leprosy. In, in biblical times, in fact, we still have leprosy today. It's very rare, but it's still around. But in, in biblical times, leprosy was like a class of skin diseases. Like if you had any kind of skin ailment, like a mole that just kind of went sideways. You know what I'm talking about? Like if you had anything that kind of just was off kilter with your skin, you had leprosy. And even some forms of it, leprosy would eat away at your flesh and you would actually lose fingers and limbs and ears. Like you would fall apart if you had leprosy. And it was really gruesome. It was a really gruesome way to die if you had leprosy. And it was not only a physical problem, you were not only going to die a very, very gruesome death and a painful death, but you would die a social death when you had leprosy. We have to understand that in biblical times, leprosy was like a social disease and not a physical one. So in, in, it, it's almost like it's very different from our worldview today. You and I today, when you get like a, like a stomach bug or you get the, like, like a cold, like a common cold, how many of you know you just take medicine and then you get back to your life? Right. You, you rest for a couple days. You lay low, you rest, you take some medicine, you pop an ibuprofen, and then you just keep getting back to the things you normally do. Am I right? When you see somebody and they go, oh, sorry, I have a cold, right? You just kind of keep your distance and you go, oh, man, are you taking medication? I hope you feel better. At no point do you go, man, I really think less of you, (laughs) right? Or man, like not only are you physically sick, but you should probably leave town because you're not acceptable to us anymore, right? 
Like, like it, today, in today's world, illness is not like, a, like a, uh, a social problem. It's just a physical one. Just take medicine and get better. Now, there are some places that still have this kind of biblical understanding of illness today. It kind of lingers. And we saw it with COVID. How many of you know, when somebody got COVID, especially early on, there was a lot of mystery and fear and we didn't know what to do with it, right? When someone was, was, was tested positive for COVID, it not only was like, oh, you're sick, but it's like, oh, you're wrong. Like, who you are, I can't be around. Do you, you guys know what I'm talking about? We could dive deeper into this, but there, there was a lot of uh, shame when it came to contracting COVID-19. We also see it with like mental illness today. There's still a lot of stigma in our world surrounding mental illness. We don't know how to deal with it, how to accept it, how to allow somebody with mental illness to still remain in our communities. Or long-term disability. That's another one with, with a lot of stigma, a lot of social shame and, and outcasting that happens with those types of illnesses, very similar to Jesus' day. So that's leprosy. In Jesus' day, leprosy was completely a social problem. If you had leprosy, you were shamed, outcasted, you were not acceptable, you were unlovable. It wasn't just that you were sick, it was that you as a person were unacceptable. There was so much shame attached to this. And that's a really important point for today's talk as we dive into this story. Lastly, I want to tell you about priests. If you had leprosy, if you contracted leprosy and somehow you were healed, say you woke up one day and all of the whatever was happening, the rash that you had all over your skin, say it just disappeared, you were healed. What you would do in Jesus' day is you would run to the priest. In every community, there was a priest that presided over that, that, that region. So you would go to the priest and you would offer a sacrifice, like a lamb or a bird, and you would kill it. And then what you would do, you guys, this is my, my favorite part. If you had leprosy and you were healed, you would go to the priest, do your sacrifice, basically kill a bird in front of him, and then you would take off all your clothes and you would stand there just naked, okay? <laughs> And you would allow the priest to examine you. You would do like a whole like doctor, priestly, like I call it the priestly mole check. <laughs> right? All right? You, you would perform, you would submit yourself to the priestly mole check. Right? I'd hate to be that priest. I'm so glad I'm a pastor today and not back in Jesus' time, right? Oh boy. So you would, your job all day would be to sit there and people would come, strip down, and they would just kind of like, here you go, check me out. And the priest would look you over. And if he was satisfied with the state of your healing and, and, and your cure, he would, de he would declare you clean. And at that point, you were allowed to rejoin society. You were allowed to go back into normal life. And all of this you can find in Leviticus 14. Leviticus 14 outlines how to pass this priestly mole check, right? Now, you needed to go to the priest quickly because if that rash came back, then you're back on the outskirts of town, okay? So you had to pass the priestly mole check really fast and, uh, before everything came back. The priest would grant you social healing in accordance with your physical healing, right? And this actually, that's my kiddo. <laughs> that's, that's Lydia. 
So this little, this little like historical piece with the leprosy and the priests, this actually changes how you and I read every story in scripture. If you look at any healing story in the Bible, when Jesus heals someone, he not only heals their physical ailment, he heals their social ailment, okay? You have to understand how powerful this is. And it's almost as if you could say the physical ailment was nothing in comparison to the social problem that they had. Because how many of you know, you might be sick, but if you're outcasted from society, that's much worse. So in Jesus' time, to be physically ill, I mean, yeah, it was, it was horrible. And, it, and, and being sick is not something we want to live with for our whole lives. But being separated from society was, was much worse. So when Jesus heals their physical problem in Scripture, he's not only healing their bodies, but he's welcoming them back into community. And that, I think, is much more powerful. So we have to have this lens as we read the scripture and any healing story of Jesus. So let's look at this story again. Let's go back to this story. What is happening beneath the surface? Jesus heals 10 men of leprosy. He has 10 men approach him with leprosy. He heals all of them. And he immediately says, go, show yourself to the priest, right? According to Leviticus 14, which Jesus would have had memorized as a rabbi, he says, go and show yourself to the priest. Basically, go quick, let's go. Come on. And you could almost imagine the thought process of these men. They look down and go, oh, 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 we're healed. And like this group of guys who had been living together on the outskirts of town, they were all buddies. And they all looked at each other and went, hey, you're healed too. Hey, that mole, it's gone, right? That rash, it's gone. We're all healed. Okay. And all 10 of them would have said, run. <laughs> We've got to go to the priest. And so they scurry their way into town. And you could imagine the thought process. Quick, let's go before our rash comes back. <laughs> or before the priest goes home for the day, right? You can almost imagine like, oh man, it's almost five o'clock. We better catch this priest because I don't want to wait another day in order to see this guy. So they go and do the priestly mole check. But one guy turns around. One guy turns around. And this is what I find so fascinating in this story is because he, different than the other 10 guys, has a completely different thought process. He probably turned around and was running with his friends and then stopped and went, wait a minute. And he thought to himself, I could go to the priest. I could present myself and do the song and dance priestly mole check again that I've done a hundred times. And he could declare me clean. But the problem is, even if I'm clean, I'm still a Samaritan. Something happened. Sorry, I'm getting emotional because it's... Something happened in this moment where this guy realized no matter how hard I try or how much I dance for this priest or how much I strip down and say, look at me, he, no matter how much approval this priest grants me, I'm still unacceptable. I'm still a Samaritan. I'm still on the, out, on the outside. And so this guy did something different. He turns around. He comes to Jesus and he throws himself at his feet and he worships. This man realized that no matter how hard he tried, no matter how many times he stripped down naked for the priest, no matter how many times he passed the priestly molchek, he's still a Samaritan. No matter how many times he sacrificed a lamb for his priest, 
he was still unacceptable, unlovable, and unworthy. If you're, if you're, if you're following along today, the love, the acceptance, the, the uh, worthiness, the significance, the status that he so desperately needed and we all so desperately need, the approval he was looking for would never be given to him by the world that he lived in. Because he's still a Samaritan. No matter how hard he tried, the significance and the acceptance that he so desperately craved, he would never receive from the world. And in that moment, as he was running with his 10 friends and then he stopped, that's when he realized, wait a minute, there's got to be a different way. There's got to be another way for me to find the significance that I so desperately need. The community that I so desperately want to be a part of. There's, there's got to be a different way. And in that moment, he stops, he turns, and he presents himself, not to his local priest, but to the high priest. To a different kind of priest. Instead of offering a sacrifice on his own accord, he turns around and almost accepts a larger sacrifice on his behalf. You see what happens there? He doesn't have to make the sacrifice himself. He has to just accept it. Instead of stripping himself down and saying, look at me, look, am I good enough? Have I done enough to earn my significance? Am I enough? Instead, he just lays himself before Jesus and humbly worships. He takes all three of those things and, revert, and flips them on their head. And he lays before Jesus. Maybe you've come to a similar realization in life. That all of the strategies that you've employed to earn your significance and your worth in this world, maybe they just don't work. And you're coming to a different priest. That job that you thought would make you happy, that relationship you were hoping would make everything better, the house, the paycheck, the car, the boat, those things that only temporarily fill that void in your heart, maybe you're realizing, oh, there's got to be a different way to do this. Do you ever wake up in the morning like sometimes I do? And there's, it's not conscious to you, maybe it's not on the, on the tip of your tongue, but somewhere deep in your soul, there's kind of a question running on loop. And it maybe goes something like, what do I have to prove today to be acceptable? What do I have to earn today to, to, to earn my keep around here? Maybe you wake up with things like that on loop in your heart like I do. Am I enough? Have I earned my place? I know for me, um, I am kind of an academic nerd, okay? So I, I and you may have noticed that, I don't know. I, but I, I love to study. And for me, like ministry and, and academia, and, and these things can become almost like ruler sticks that I measure my life against. Have I done enough? Do I know enough? Have I gained enough knowledge or status or, or, or recognition in order to secure my identity? I don't know what that is for you. I know for me, my wife and I, we were pastors uh, up in Portland or Gresham for six years and we're in church rhythms and life and leading and, and teaching. And, and right before COVID, I stepped out and I worked for a different, like I did something else. I was no longer a pastor. And these last 18 months of not being a formal pastor in a church, let me tell you, it's been brutal. It's been brutal to have this identity marker on my life that says I am a pastor, have that removed, 
let me tell you, and then be isolated for 18 months, right? How many of you know I was sitting around for 18 months going, who am I? And what do I have to offer the world of any meaning? There were some dark moments, like really, really dark, of me looking around going, man, if I'm not that, if people don't look at me every weekend and get to hear me talk, who am I, right? Now that sounds really petty because it, it kind of is, right? <laughs> it really is. But it cuts to something really deep happening in my soul. Who am I? Sometimes I feel like the man with leprosy that gets up every week before his priest and does a song and dance. Am I enough? Have I done enough? Right? Have I done enough? Have I earned my place here? If I can just cover up this blemish and, and, and if I could just hide this part of my life from you guys, maybe you will accept me, right? If I can just position myself, right? You can almost like imagine the guys coming in before the priest, stripping down and just kind of standing a certain way, right? <laughs> right? Like don't, don't look back there. Look at this, right? Hoping that the priest wouldn't see their flaws. Am I enough? If I can hide this boil or blemish, will I be accepted by everybody? What is that for you? What part of your heart, what part of your soul, what part of your life are you just hoping nobody else sees? What little dysfunction are you hoping that just, if I can hide it well enough, maybe I'll be accepted? How many of you know that kind of living is exhausting? It's exhausting. I, almost, I, I imagine when the, tenth, when the Samaritan man who was healed, when he turns around and becomes before Jesus, I almost imagine him as he's walking up to Jesus, he's probably like unbuttoning his shirt, rolling up his sleeves, and like starting to strip down because he's done it a hundred times. And I can almost imagine Jesus going, oh, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. stop. Keep your clothes on, buddy. Right? <laughs> right? Jesus going, no, 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 I don't, I, I, I get, I know, you're healed. I healed you. I know you're fine. I don't need to see it. I know you're fine. You don't have to strip down before me. I've seen those wounds. I understand. And I've healed you. So you don't have to put on a show for me. Do you know that Jesus is not expecting you to put a show on for him? He's not looking at you going, man, I wish he would get it together, right? I wish she would just get her life together so that I could, I don't know, commune with them. No, no, no. Jesus looks at you, warts and all, and says, oh, I made you, and I call you clean. I declare that you're clean. So I don't know what that is for you, but I find that for myself at a soul level, it can be exhausting, looking for the acceptance and significance that I crave in places that are never gonna deliver. This Samaritan man realized that he will never have that in the world that he lives in. Instead of running to his local priest, he turns to a different priest. Instead of stripping down and posturing for, G uh, for, for his priest, he humbles himself before Jesus. Instead of sacrificing his own like lamb before this priest, he accepts a different kind of lamb and a different kind of sacrifice. I want to propose today that perhaps the deepest and most transformative kind of healing that you could ever accept from Jesus is the idea that he accepts you, that he loves you, 
not because of anything you've done, but because of what he's done. That's a really, really transformative kind of idea. When you let that drop from your head, like down to the, the, the basement of your soul and allow that truth to do some work inside of you, that'll change your life. That'll change your life when you realize that you belong, not because of what you've done, but because of what he has done for you. Just the way you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. Jesus accepts you just as you are. And that's what this Samaritan realized in that moment. He needed a different priest. Hebrews 4, 15, it says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. In Hebrews 4, 16, it says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's what this guy did. He approached his priest in boldness and he realized that he needed a different sacrifice. First John, it says, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sin and not only for ours, but for the entire world. Jesus declares us clean. Welcome back to society. All the things you've been chasing, I can offer you. All the ways that you've tried to secure your own identity, stop, 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 stop. Let me, I, let me secure that for you. Instead of running to the world, friends, you and I, instead of running to the world and clamoring for our significance and all of its empty promises that never deliver, May we, you and me, may we be like the Samaritan who stops and realizes I'm tired of doing this song and dance. I need a different priest. May you and I, may we, instead of covering our own sin, hoping that no one will notice my brokenness, may we humble ourselves before Jesus and accept his sacrifice for us. And instead of trying to sacrifice and clean up my own mess, may we just worship him and accept what he's done for us. So I want to give us some takeaway points today. I want to give us some action steps. Um, first, if you're here today and you just need somebody to pray for you, and maybe you need physical healing. Maybe there's actually really a physical ailment that you would like someone to pray for you about. Would you come and find a leader up front and allow them to pray for you? I would, I, uh, don't, don't leave here today without getting prayed for. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't leave here today with a physical ailment that needs to get healed. Um, secondly, in the beginning of this story, Jesus, we see, if you remember, Jesus in the story is walking along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Right? when he comes to this village. It says that Jesus walked along the border between Samaria and Galilee. These two groups that hated each other. Jesus, you can almost imagine, was like skirting his way across the border. And I wonder if you might invite Jesus today to walk along the border of your heart. Those edges, those areas that are hidden, those places that you don't want anybody to see, would you almost allow Jesus to walk along the edges? of your soul and just look around almost as a contemplative practice to say, Jesus, would you just walk around the borders of my heart and see the areas that are broken? Maybe that's you today. 
Maybe you recognize some things that are broken in your heart and you need Jesus to just walk along those places and graciously and gently speak to them. If that's you, I invite you to come find somebody to pray with. Take a minute and allow Jesus to point those places out to you. So whatever it is for you, whether it's some deep soul work that God's doing in you, some area that needs to get prayed for, a physical ailment that you need somebody to lay hands on you and pray healing over your body, some relationship that's been broken that you need prayer for, um, find that today. So I wanna do something together. Um, Before we go have a barbecue together this afternoon and we hang out, I wanna invite you to stand and hold your hands out in front of you like this. If you could stand with me. I wanna pray a blessing over you. I wanna pray what what, uh, they would call a benediction over you. And I want you to receive it with open hands today, if you will. Would you pray with me? May we be a church that realizes that Jesus satisfies our every need over and above every temporary, fleeting value that the world can offer us. Instead, may we be a people that turns to Jesus for our acceptance. May we be a people that are deeply rooted in who God says we are and what God has done for us. And like the one in 10 Samaritan, may we come to the feet of our Jesus, our true high priest, our true sacrificial lamb, knowing that he loves us and he accepts us, blemishes and all. And everybody said, amen, amen. Okay, we'll see you at the barbecue this evening. There will be leaders up front to pray with you if you like, but Chris, we are dismissed, huh? We are. Amen, we'll see you guys next week.